I know our time is, uh, is just kind of galloping here, and I want to uh, speak to you in the house and those of us in Corpus Christi and around the world, uh, those of you who are online today. I want to just make a comment, and then we're going to go beyond that. Um, I, was, I was looking in my cell phone where I sometimes put notes. Wherever God is talking to me, he'll say something, and I'll write a little note about it. And uh, I was looking at my phone, and this came up. I am not going to tiptoe around sensitive issues anymore. Amen. That's what I said. I'm not going to tiptoe. Thank you. Thank you. And so uh, this kind of gives you a little a bit of a hint where I'm going. My, my subject is for the love of God. And uh, this happened. Let me read a little bit of something uh, to you here. It was sometime after midnight this Friday. Uh, which would have been very early on the 16th of January, Saturday morning, that the Lord woke me up. As he woke me up, I was praying very strongly for the president in my sleep. I'm, a, I'm solidly asleep. I wake up, I wake up praying uh, strongly, very strongly for the president. I did not ask why. I just prayed with fervent love. And this is, well, I changed this message. I was not going to preach this message, but I had this fervent love for him. Now, now, I want you to hold tight because we, our minds always go uh, to where we ought not go. This is not a political statement for me. This is a spiritual experience because in my natural mind, I would think that I wouldn't have been in this place. Don't get too quiet. I did not ask God why. I just prayed with fervent love. Perhaps you remember this happened in the summer of 2020, just last year. I was awakened, praying very fervently for the president at that time. It was also shortly thereafter that the Lord showed me his great love for many of the president's supporters who do not know the Lord, but are fervently behind him. God's love for them was unequivocal. That is, leaving no doubt. It was unambiguous. It was totally clear. That is, it was not what we would call vacillating or indecisive. Nor was this love given because of something the president had done toward God. It was just God's love applied to someone who needed it. I prayed fervently to the break of day. This was unquestionably the love of God which had encapsulated me. I did not think about any of the president's actions that I strongly disagree with. I was caught up in the will of God. I was caught up in the will of God, a will that is for you. The love of God was so compelling, there was not a will to resist. There was no will to resist it. Actually resisting the Lord did not exist in the, in the sphere of divine love where I was. There was a sphere of divine love and resisting had no place. See, some of us here resist God. Resist God. We only do and go to where we want to, what we want to do and where we want to go. We, are, we only hear God saying the things that we have thought of beforehand. But it didn't exist in that sphere of divine love. There was an irresistible law at work. 
It was the law of love. Contrary to what many evangelical leaders are saying, and I want to go on record and say I disagree with most of them. I disagree with them. They have been pitiful at best, horribly deficient at worst. So contrary to what these evangelical leaders are saying, God wants to save the, the president, wants to save him. I saw that in the summer. I was a little surprised in the summer, but I, I was praying already when I woke up, so I had nothing to do with it. I've been praying, asking the Lord to make me better. I pray you pray that. I hope you are praying that. You know, don't just sit up and think you got it all figured out. My fast, and my boasting, but I'm giving you information. More in the last five months than I have in my life in any period like that. I was looking so bad one day, one of our members said, Pastor, you look bad. And I thought, I'm going to get worse than this. <laughs> but God wants to save him. He wants to save his soul. And he has had me praying for him the second time in an astounding way. I believe that God wants us, wants me, to call President Donald Trump brother. I really believe that. I, many of our, of our leaders have wrongly declared him a believer in Jesus Christ. They have politicized it for personal gain. These are people we call brother and sister. They are politicized. One person had the audacity to be called an angel from South America and Africa. And they've been prophesying. They haven't prophesied. They've prophesied. I heard one of, saw a caption of one of our evangelical leaders, son of a very, very famous uh, evangelist. I won't call his name yet, but I'm prepared to. He has so politicized this thing, it is downright shameful. And if I had him here in this sanctuary or outside in the parking lot, I'd go out right now and rebuke him because it's wrong. And it's wrong for the church to take the positions we have taken. It's wrong. We have not been kingdom. And God saved us and he gave, has given us a kingdom. He says in, in Luke, he says, fear not little flock, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And we think that the kingdom is our little pinpoint thoughts. It's not right. There's no political agenda in what I'm saying. I have nothing to gain. I don't want anything they have. If they have billions of dollars, I wouldn't take it. If we, the church, would love as God loves, and I've experienced it more than these two times, but these two times are very stark. When God poured out something for me, I know what it is, and I'll tell you in a second. But when God poured out this kind of love, I knew of, of a supernatural experience that, that I trust, I pray that all of us would have. And then that means that we will be then usable to God rather than thinking things are a no-brainer. We're living in such a complicated world, you should never say that's a no-brainer. But we must present everything to God through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. 
There's no doubt that we can change the world. And I'm not suggesting that every single person in the world would come to Jesus, but so many would come that we would change things drastically if we would only, would only just lay down our carnality and give ourselves to God. And, and it's so mind-boggling that so many would say, well, that's not my problem. And I would say, as they used to say in the oil business, you're the very one. The scripture says in Romans 5, 5, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Those of us who have the Holy Spirit have the poured out love of God resident in our hearts. We have the poured out love of God. That means that either we don't have the Holy Spirit or we are refusing him. And either is bad. God's love is unequivocal. And I would like to say God's love for sinners is unequivocal. It's amazing how in this craziness that we have found ourselves in, in, in this nation, somebody would think that they know more than everybody else and, and stage a coup in America, stage a coup. I can't be silent. If I could be silent, I should be fired. God himself sent an angel, dragged me out by the nap of the neck and the seat of the pants. I cannot be silent, neither should you, but you should not be taking sides in this war because you don't know what God is doing. Amen. His love is unequivocal. That means it's clear, it's absolute, and there's only one meaning. God is love. Amen. That's the only meaning. And I know that so often, whenever one talks like this, minds start to just rumble. But I have no dog in this fight. My one desire is to do the will of God and to be bold in the will of God. Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. And so God's love is everlasting. It is also, therefore, relentless. It is relentless. God's love doesn't give up. The reason I'm here today is because God's love doesn't give up. And whatever situation you're going through and whatever you need from God, just know this, his love never gives up. God's love is relentless. God's love is relentless. It's, it is unequivocal. It's clear and it's absolute. The psalmist says in Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. This is what God, how God comforts us with his amazing love. And this is what I'm saying to you. It doesn't matter what you think about things in this world. It doesn't matter. Number one, 
you need to believe God. Number one, you need to trust God. Number two, you need to trust God. You know, believe God, trust God. And then number three, no, you don't have it figured out. I'm talking to you online also. God's love is so amazing. I would dare say we have only had just a very, very small, tiny understanding of what his love is. Because all, everything is subjective. It's like, well, what do I get from this? Or this is what I just know. That person doesn't know what he or she ought to know. God gets no joy or delight in the destruction of the wicked. And I said that about the president because some of you, I know, you, you know, on this internet chatter, oh, he's got saved. Somebody said they led him to the Lord. How can you be led to the Lord when you say, I've never asked for forgiveness? Come on, church of Jesus. So what I'm saying is this is not a beat down the president. I'm saying this is a wake-up church moment. It's a wake-up church moment. I, I look forward to saying, brother, 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 brother Trump. I, I would look forward to that. Some, some of you, you know, think, well, it's already. No, stop that in Jesus' name. God gets no joy or delight in the destruction of the wicked. And that's just what has just come home even more stark to me than ever before. Is that he can wake up a servant, a yielded servant, wake him up praying, not wake him up, now pray, but I'm praying for something. I don't even know. I don't even know I'm in the world. I'm so asleep, I didn't even know I was alive. But woke up praying. God showed me a picture in the summer where, where there were some of the president's supporters and they were vile, saying vile things, things that would take away my future, things that would take away my children and my grandchildren's future, your pastor's grandchildren and children. But then the voice says, I love them. So, wow, Jesus, you sure, you, you, you sure challenging me. Yeah, I love them. How is it that we take positions against God while saying we are his people? How is it? Let me say another thing. I was going to talk about this one a bit more explicitly, but I, I felt that the Holy Spirit said, I don't want you to talk about it so explicitly, but I do sense he's giving me a moment. This is what God was saying. Those things that I just uttered were things that God was saying about the president. But I woke up one morning and I told my staff this, this dream that I had. And I told you about a dream that I'd had where a supernatural being had come to me and I didn't know if it was a vision or a dream or whatever and it had taken me somewhere above the stars. And later on, on November the 15th, I had a dream. And on the dream, there were some workers working on a mountain. And they were, it was a big stone mountain or, or it, it looked like it was hard material, I, I thought maybe granite. And they were chiseling and chiseling and they were working, not frantically, but very diligently. And they were, they were chopping, uh, chiseling this mountain down. And, and uh, I, I woke up and I did what, you know, usually we do when we wake up. And I took a few moments and I walked, you know, around and I came back and actually I went to the rest bathroom. And then I came back and I went to sleep again and I, my dream continued. 
And when my dream continued, there was, as the dream continued, these workers had been working very diligently, and they had like maybe um, an eighth of the, the, the mountain or so it was left, and they were, they were running out of time. Well, I had told you before, when I had that dream or vision, where this supernatural being had taken me to some place above the stars, and was talking to another person who seemed to be, he was wearing loafers like he was a human, but they were supernatural beings. And he said, I don't think they will have enough time. And so I woke up. I thought it meant something different. And then uh, after November the 15th, I thought, what was it? So when I went back, when I went back to sleep, I saw that, that I said, oh, that, when I saw that the mountain was almost chiseled down, I said, they're not going to have enough time. They need to hit the wall and it will fall. I didn't know what the wall was, but I, I had an affinity for them because they were so diligently working. And I said, if they'll hit the wall, they, it will fall. They need to hit the wall because I was for the underdog, you know, like I was for Rocky and not Apollo Creed, you know. And, and so I woke up and I was wondering, what does this dream mean? What does it mean? And the Lord began to expl explain the dream. He said, the wall, the, the wall that they are chiseling down is, is Stone Mountain, Georgia. He said Stone Mountain, Georgia is a symbol of racism, an impregnable symbol of racism. He said they were, but then he said they're not to hit it, they're to speak to it. Now, just like God told me all those wonderful things, pray for the president and pray for his uh, supporters and love all of those supporters, he said to me that Mrs. Tracy Abrams' voice is, is, is to speak, and when she speaks, the wall will come down, and something will happen in Georgia that's never happened. He told me that on the, on the 15th, they were going to have a runoff election on January the 5th. I'm, I'm still talking about love, people. I'm talking about the love of God. And so I called Sister Rose and, and said, let, let me tell you about my dream, because I knew she had relatives in Georgia. She's from Georgia. And so I told her that, and she contacted her sister, and the rest is, is pretty much history. So I said, this woman has been raised up. God spoke to me. He said, I've raised her up to be a voice. I've raised her up. And, 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 and when she speaks, things will happen. Now, on one side, you can see Republicans. On the other side, you could say Democrats. But the Lord said, tell them that this is not about Democrats or Republicans. It is about justice and righteousness. So what God is saying that his agenda is not about you winning and somebody losing, but it is that justice and righteousness might prevail. Okay. Okay, so, so this is what I want to say. I didn't get to my message as I would like, but this is what, what the Amos 5.15 and Micah 6.8. Let me read this. Amos 5.15, hate evil, love good. Love good. Establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. This is what I, what I get here. If we would do this, Amos 5.15, Maybe God will be gracious to us and let us keep our land. 
keep our land as it has been. You will not have it by force because God is fighting in this battle in ways that I've never seen. In Micah 6, 8, he has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Now, Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength, O Lord, my Redeemer. I pray today that your people would not leave here or leave the place they're watching online in a fog. I pray that their own opinions will not get the best of them. I pray that they would not listen to the dictates of wrong opinions, even if they come from themselves. I pray that you would do something mighty because even in the midst of trouble, this could very well be our finest hour. I ask you to heal us from our backslidings, heal us from our partisanship and our wrong ideas. Heal us so that we don't cause division and, and dire divisiveness in the body of Christ, thinking we're doing you a service. I pray in Jesus' name that we would be like you. We would love our enemies. We would do good to those who hate us. We would bless those who curse us. We would pray for those who spitefully use us. And to the one who strikes us on one cheek, we'll offer the other. And if they take away our cloak, we will give them our outer garment to those who ask of us. We will give to them and not expect anything in return. We will not only love those who love us, for what credit is that to us? For even sinners love those who love them. And we will not do good just to those that we like or those who have done something for us, for even sinners do the same. We thank you. We will be like you. We will be like our God. We want to be your sons, your daughters. For our Father makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. We will be like you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name.